0: Well, y'all, if you're visiting with us today, um, first of all, I want to say either online or here in person, I want to say just it's an honor to have you. It's an honor to have you with our church family. Come on, church family, would you give it up for our visitors this morning? So whether you're in person or online, our goal here at Clawson is a couple of different things. Our goal is, number one, that you would feel the presence of God when you come and you get to experience worship. How many of you would say that you felt the Lord's presence this morning? Amen. So we have a goal to to uh, bring worship in a way where we encounter and stir up the presence of God. Number two is that we pray and we hope that God would speak to you, that it's not Josh speaking, but that it's God speaking and that God would use us. Or maybe even it's not what Josh is speaking, but the Holy Spirit speaks something completely different to you. So we pray and we hope that you feel the presence of God in church. We pray and we hope that the Lord speaks to you, whether through me or in a different person or a different way. And then number three, we pray and we hope that we are a good example of Christ to you. I don't know if you've ever been to a church where they didn't have that. I have. Where you've been to a church where you just felt judged and you felt like everybody's looking at me in this weird kind of way or like everybody's eyeballing my tattoos or my hat or my suit or whatever that is. Anybody ever felt like really weird in the church? So we hope and we pray that when you walk in here that you feel the love of Christ from Christ's people. And so, yeah, give, give, give yourselves a, a hand, church family. And if that is not what you experience, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Because I'd love to, uh, to coach some people that are maybe not making you feel the way they should and help them in how we treat people. Somebody say amen. amen. Whoo, y'all like that, don't you? Well, y'all, I'm so pumped to speak to you this morning. If you haven't been with us, I'm gonna catch you up real quick. We're right smack dab in the middle of uh, the longest message series that I have ever written. It's 10 weeks long. Uh, My usual series is about four weeks long. This one's 10 weeks long. And the reason that it is because we're in in a series called, help me out, what's it called? The Gifts of God. And we've broken this series up into three mini-series. And it has been the gifts of the Father, the gifts of the Son, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so the very first two weeks, we tackled the gifts of the Father. We tackled life and creation and the woman and, 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 and uh, salvation, Jesus and salvation. Uh, then we moved into, with Jesus came the gifts of the Son. And we've been in this series. This is the third week that we've been in uh, here, the gifts of the Son. And there's going to be six weeks on the gifts of the Son, and then we're gonna dive into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So God, the gifts of God, God makes up the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the way that we're tackling this is we give the gifts of God, which led into Jesus, which led into the gifts of Jesus. The gifts of Jesus will lead into the Holy Spirit and into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be a really cool series how everything ends out. And let me just say, if you've never heard any teaching on the Holy Spirit, or maybe you've been confused about the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit, what's not the Holy Spirit, all of those kind of things, I really, 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 somebody say really. Really. I want to encourage you to come in three weeks when we start on the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm, it's, we, we're going a three-week dive into the Holy Spirit. I'm going to define who he is, what his purpose is, that he's not some weird thing that takes place. Amen? The Holy Spirit does not make you feel uncomfortable. That's people. And so we're going to dive into the Holy Spirit, who he is. You want to be here for that. Amen? Amen? Okay, so um, now today we're in this part, the gifts of Jesus, and five of the gifts are in our memory verse slash foundational verse, which you guys are awesome because there was a line out there of people saying their memory verse. Y'all listen, the memory verse is so important. Somebody say amen. You can win all kinds of cool stuff this year if you do your memory verse. You can win a cruise at the end of the year if you do your memory verse. Not everyone, but one person is going to win a cruise at the end of the year. Uh, Those of you that do all the memory verses, you're going to get a hoodie at the end of the year. But listen, the purpose of this is not for a cruise or a hoodie. The purpose of this, and I've went over this every time, is David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. The truth of the matter is, the more of this word that you get in you, the less of you that you have in you. And that's a good thing. Amen? And so we're, we're diving. Our memory verse is Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 11 and 12. And y'all should have it memorized just the amount of time I've been reading it. Here, here we go. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay, so the last two weeks, we tackled the most complicated two. If you weren't here for those, I encourage you to go back and watch them. We tackled the apostle, and the, the apostle is one who is sent an apostle is a person that is called by God, sent to go give a message, and an, an apostle trains up people to be sent. And that's what we talked about the very first week. Then last week we talked about the prophet. Everybody say the prophet. A prophet is a person that hears the voice of God and is a spokesperson for God, but there are actually so much more than that, because Ephesians said that the purpose of the prophet and the apostle and the evangelist is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and build up the body of Christ. So if there's an equipping part in each one of these, then the prophet is also to equip us. To be able to hear the voice of God, just like Samuel with Eli, to be able to hear the voice of God and then go out and share what what God is speaking. So now today, if you've never heard of the fivefold ministry, that's what we're going over in the gifts of Jesus. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. That's the fivefold ministry. It says in the word that Jesus himself gave these gifts to the church. How many of you would say if Jesus gave us something, it's important. Okay, so we're going to tackle number three this morning and the very first number 1 is what is an evangelist what is an evangelist now if you type in google define evangelist this is what it's going to say a person who seeks to convert others to the christian faith especially by a public forum or one who proclaims glad tidings anyone who brings good news to another is an evangelist Anyone who brings good news to another is an evangelist. Okay, so I just want to, what we have in our culture, uh, 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 I don't know that I've ever, in seven years, I've never had an evangelist in our culture the way that we, we've had missionaries, but I've never had an evangelist come and share with you. And and here's kind of why, because what we see in our culture as an evangelist is really kind of takes on the role of a pastor. Uh, And let me share, a revivalist, an evangelist. Now, I'm not coming against those guys, but as far as the role of an evangelist and what we see in the role of an evangelist today is actually not really the role of an evangelist. Does that make sense? Okay, let me explain it to you then. Uh, and so an evangelist today is typically a guy that is a special speaker at a church. Like, I will hire in and bring in an evangelist. They will come, and it's like a fire, hell star, hellfire and brimstones typically type of message. Like, you're all gonna go to hell if you don't give your life to Jesus. Not that that's a bad thing. We are going to hell if we don't give our lives to Jesus. Amen? And so he gives like a salvation type of of, of altar call. And usually what happens is when an evangelist comes in is lots of people raise their hands. They scare the heck out of them. Uh, And lots of people raise their hands and they come up to the front and and tons of people get saved in the church. Or lots of people get rededicated to the Lord in the church. Now, um, that's a good thing. Amen. But that's actually the role of a pastor. Okay. Because it's inside the church. An evangelist is one who is sharing the good news. An evangelist in the Bible is actually more like our modern day missionary. So an evangelist is a person that takes, typically not inside the church, typically an evangelist is training people inside the church to take the message outside of the church. Now remember, the evangelist, the prophet, all of their role is to equip the body of Christ, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, So inside the church, the role of an evangelist is to equip people to go out and evangelize. We got that? But then when you become an evangelist, your role is to go where Jesus is not outside of the church and to share the good news. Does that make sense? Okay, good, good, good. All right, so as we're diving into this, uh, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse five, he says, but you keep your head in all situations. Anybody ever have issues doing that? (laughs) Maybe y'all should read that scripture. I don't ever have issues with that. (laughs) Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. Listen, do the work of an evangelist. Discharge the duties of your ministry. So Paul, as he is working in the role of an apostle, okay, because he's over Timothy He's trained up Timothy and he sent him out, which is what an apostle does. Now he's providing oversight to him and he says to him, okay, do the work of an evangelist. So if Paul tells Timothy, I want you to do the work of an evangelist, I think it would be important for us to dive in and understand what is the work of an evangelist. Amen? What does it look like to be an evangelist? So an evangelist, again, is to take the good news and the good news is always referring to the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. So the good news, take the gospel to as many people that don't know the gospel is what you can and for the sake of their souls. That is the role of an evangelist. And then when they accept the gospel, whenever they give their life to Jesus, then that evangelist is now supposed to train this person to then take the good news that now they hold and they receive and they got to somebody else that doesn't know the good news. Does that make sense? Okay, nice. I want you to think about it this way. A believer is a person that carries the gospel. How many believers I got in the room? A saint, a believer, a Christian is a person that carries the gospel. The only difference between an evangelist and a believer is that an evangelist doesn't just carry the gospel. They actually share the gospel. They actually deliver the gospel. Okay, let me ask you a question. Don't take this as a judgment, okay? I'm just asking you a question. What use would a mailman be if they filled the mail, the, 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 the car, the whatever those box truck looking thing, uh, if they filled it up with mail and they just drove around to all the houses, but they never actually delivered any of the mail, would they be any good at all? No, they would get fired. David would fire them. Amen? I don't want to get fired by Jesus. And the truth is, is that he has filled me with good news. The truth is is that he has given me all that I need to share the good news with as many people as I can share. And when I'm not doing that, when I'm not working in the role of sharing and evangelizing and giving the good news, what purpose was the good news for me in the first place? If I, I am not doing what he asked me to do with it, Y'all, that's hard, I know. I believe that evangelism is not a gift for some, it's a command to all. Amen. You know, one of the main things about being a follower of Christ is to help others become followers of Christ. Many of us have, have taken and we've, we've followed evangelism in like the spiritual gifts folder where only some people get to get to that folder. But really we need to pull evangelism out of the spiritual gifts folder and we need to follow it in the spiritual disciplines folder, which means that all of us should be working in evangelism. I know it's quiet. I love y'all. So because I believe all of us are called to be evangelists, I'm, I'm gonna take on the role this morning of an evangelist. And I'm gonna help prepare you and get you ready to go out and share the good news with as many people as you can. You guys ready? (laughs) Have this section right here ready. Uh, Maybe we should stop and pray. (laughs) Let's do it, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just come to you this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your good news. I thank you that you saved me But God, you didn't just save me for me. You saved me so that I could go and share what you've done in my life with other people so that they could know that you're God. And they could know that you're good. And they could know that you're real. God, I pray this morning, help me not to be pushy. Help me to share your word the way that you have for me to share it. God, and I pray that you will prepare our hearts to receive the word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. So there's a word in Christianity that makes almost all people very nervous. Uh, when we're talking about evangelism, when we're talking about sharing our faith, there's this word that like when you say this word, tension automatically bah, like hits the room and the word is witnessing. Uh, anybody ever heard the word witnessing? Um, and so I can, I can feel the tension already. <laughs> Catherine says this all the time, calm down. Okay, just calm down. And so uh, this morning, my goal is to train you in witnessing. I'm going to train you in how to be an evangelist. If I can make it easy, how many of y'all will take on the role this morning? How many of you will do what God's asked you to do and share? If I can, man, come on, y'all help me out. Yes. Okay. If you raise your hand, don't be a liar. All right, here we go. If you have your Bible, Acts chapter one and verse eight, this is kind of where we get the term witnessing. Witnessing. Um, it says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. I like that word. But you will receive power. Let me get Pentecostal. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. Now, first of all, I want to put a lot of emphasis on this power piece. OK, because I think now I don't think I know. That The main key ingredients in being the most powerful witness on the planet of the earth is the Holy Spirit. In fact, you got it right there. But you will receive. Come on, y'all get Pentecostal. But you will receive. Thank you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses everywhere. So the most powerful witness in the world is a witness that is full of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. We ain't got there yet, but I need you to come back. So that you can receive the power if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit in a couple of weeks. Okay, so I wanted to put some emphasis there. Real quick, I would like to give you some clarification on how simple this is because it's so simple. It's so simple, y'all. We're going to walk out of here and we're going to be the best witnesses in the world for Jesus. Y'all ready? Okay, I want to give you some clarification. You can only be a witness to something that you have personally seen or heard or experienced. If you haven't seen it, or heard it, or experienced it, you, you didn't witness it. So you can't be witnessing that. Amen? Amen? Let me give you an example, help you out. Okay, so if I was working, we'll go with Nathan and them that work the park. If Nathan's outside and he's working the parking lot, some of y'all need to chill out on our parking lot people, they just trying to help y'all out, by the way. <laughs> trying to help y'all out. And so if, 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 if Nathan or, or one of these guys are outside working in the parking lot, okay, and they're standing in the grass because they're not doing their job very well, <laughs> and this car leaves out of the church and they pull out right in front of somebody and boom, we got this huge accident and they saw that go down. That person is now a witness to what happened. Okay, they're a witness. Why are they a witness? Because they were personally saw what happened. Now, if Nathan ran in here, he was like, Josh, call 911. Call 911. I just saw this thing happen in the parking lot. This is what happened. I heard what he said, but I'm not a witness to what he said. They're not going to call me into court and ask me anything. You know why? Because I wasn't outside. They're going to call him. And And so you can only be a witness to things that you have seen or you have experienced. Witness means see an event take place. Have knowledge of an event from personal observation or experience. Witness a person who has personally seen or heard something. So if Nathan was called to testify in a courtroom because he saw this crazy wreck, you know what? Listen, they're not going to expect him to be like a professional in highway development. They're not going to expect him to know all of the details about the brakes of a car. And do you feel like that they had enough time to stop? And do even, no, They're not going to ask Nathan those questions. Here's what they're going to ask him. What did you see? What did you witness? What did you hear? And so when we're thinking of this term witnessing, I just want you to know that you cannot witness things that you have not experienced. So now when it comes to my Christianity, when it comes to my faith, my question to you is real easy. What have you witnessed? Because I think if we were to switch that thinking, you've probably witnessed some pretty awesome things from God. What have you seen? What have you heard? What have you experienced that is valuable enough to share with somebody else who has not experienced and witnessed the same thing that you have? Which brings me into number two this morning. What's my message? What's my story? So an evangelist is a person that brings the good news. The good news is the Bible. The good news is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that the good news is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? But listen to me this morning. You did not witness those things. You were not there. And because you did not witness those things, it gets really, really, really complicated to try to talk people into Jesus whenever you're going with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and they know you wasn't there. So then we kind of got to rethink, okay, what have I witnessed? What, what gives power to the gospel in my life and proves the gospel in my life. Because I believe there's a prelude in witnessing that actually comes from your story. Your story gives validity to the gospel. I don't know about you, but my story proves that there is a God. If you knew Josh Pope before Jesus, you'd be like, yep, there's a God. In Acts chapter four, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had the disciples in this room and they are yelling at them and they're, they're wanting to kill them. And they say to them, you cannot speak of this Jesus anymore. And I wanna tell you what they say because they were witnesses. Here's what they say. I love this. We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen And we have heard, I don't care if you tell me I can't. I saw it. I saw him go to heaven. I saw him die on the cross. I saw him come back and resurrect from the dead. You can tell me whatever you want. You ain't going to stop me, baby, because I saw it. But listen, you didn't see it. You didn't see it. They saw it. That was the proof that they had. That was the proof in the pudding. Somebody say amen. Amen. Paul, the greatest apostle that has ever walked the face of the earth, in Josh Pogue's opinion, always went back to his story. I want you to think about this. Paul, the apostle, when he's working in the the role of an evangelist, you know what he did? He didn't go like preach. He told them what God did in him. He said, I know y'all heard of me. I was Saul. I was the guy that was killing Christians. I was the guy that was coming against Christians. Like, I was imprisoning them. Like, I was dedicated to the, I was the, he actually says in one verse, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was saying, I was as bad as they get. And then he says, and this thing happened. Let me tell you about what happened, y'all. I was on my way to get me some Christians, baby. And I was riding my high horse on the way to Damascus. And all of a sudden, boom. This light came, and I met Jesus face to face. And he said to me, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I said, what you talking about? And he said, you know the guys, the way, that's the actual way. And when Paul met Jesus, everything changed. And when he went and he began to preach the word of God, he always went back. And he said, I was on the road to Damascus. And if you knew my story and if you knew who I was and if you knew how high ranking I was, you would know that I gave up my entire life because this gospel is true and you need to follow Jesus. He may not have got to see Jesus die and resurrect, but he saw Jesus. Some of us today, you didn't see him die and resurrect, but you have met Jesus either at an altar or wherever you met Jesus and you have a story to tell. <clears throat> no one can argue with your story. Listen, people can argue. Dang, they can argue. (laughs) People can argue about creation. Was it really seven days? Was it? Was uh, I mean, a day is like a thousand years to God. And people can argue about dinosaurs. They can argue about how you should or shouldn't get baptized. Y'all, people can argue. but nobody can argue with what you and I have personally witnessed. And there's so much power in my story. There are people that God is preparing that are waiting to hear your story. And if you hold your story in, you could be what's stopping them from receiving the good news. yo. I got this this story we were in on Alaska. Pastor Brown will probably, I don't know where he's at, will probably remember this because it was kind of crazy. Both of us probably will never forget, but we had this crazy just experience. I believe it was on a Wednesday night. The power of God was just moving. And I can remember we had these steps very similar to this at our church and there was just, I mean, there was people all over the steps praying and they were crying and they were bawling. You could just, you ever just feel like the presence of God's almost like a fog in the room. So that, that's kind of what was going on. And there was this guy who was probably like 18. It was his first time that night. And he was just like one of those like, <laughs> You know, like God is just doing some cool things. So I sat down beside him and and I talked to him for a little while. And and he he didn't understand the whole Jesus thing. I told him about Jesus. He accepted Jesus. He wanted to know more. You know, we have this whole experience. And he jumps up and he goes, this is effing awesome. (laughs) And like four or five kids like heard and they looked up at me and I was like, oh, God, what do I do? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's awesome. You're right. like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do there. And so he's just like big crocodile tears. Like you can tell God just did some incredible things. So then he goes out that week. And the next Wednesday, he comes back with four friends. You know what he did? He had a story and he went to them and he said, I don't know what happened, bro. Let me just tell you, I was at this church. You don't go to church. You're right. I don't go to church. I, do, I go to church now. Let me tell you what happened. I was at this church and something happened and God just got a hold of me and this crazy preacher, man, come on. He started talking to me about Jesus. Like I gave my life to Jesus. I'm telling you, man, he's real. You know, I'm telling you. Well, I, well what about? No, 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 no. I'm telling you. It, you know me. He brought four friends with him the next week. Listen, you have a story to tell. God has a circle of friends. He has people that you work with. He has people in your life. He has family that can benefit from what he does in your life. Don't hold in your story. Number three this morning, stick to your story. Like I said, people will try to throw you off, y'all. Debate with you, argue with you, and you ain't gonna win if you jump in. You know why? Because there's not any winning. It's just bickering and division, and it's stupid. Don't argue with. Pe- write this down in your notes. Don't argue with people about religion. It's stupid. Right? It's stupid. Don't argue with people about religion. It's stupid. Religion is a systemized set of beliefs about God. That's why there's false religions, because it is a systemized set of beliefs. About, about God and there's false systemized sets of beliefs and take my word for it. If it is a systemized set of beliefs, you're going to lose the argument. You know why? Cause they already got it systemized in their head how it goes. Amen. Amen. So I want to tell you this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible about a guy that completely sticks to his story and it's funny and it's also very powerful just to watch it take place. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter nine. John chapter nine. Okay, here we go. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he's, (coughs) excuse me. He saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And Jesus said, it was not, because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Okay, I want you to stop, everybody say stop. I want you to notice that his disciples had a systemized set of beliefs in their head. And what they said was, hey, we wanna know, if that dude is blind, there's a reason he was blind. We wanna know whose fault it was. You know everything, tell us whose fault it was. Was it his fault? Mom's fault? What'd dad do? And Jesus says, hey, stupid, it's nobody's fault that he's blind. What do you mean it ain't nobody's fault? Like we were taught that if somebody's blind, it had to be somebody's fault. No, 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 he's blind so that God could get power when I'm about to do what I'm about to do. Listen, sometimes we try to make sense and systemize things that cannot be systemized. And so even the disciples had to be stretched out of this Okay, so then we say, uh, Jesus says, it was because of the power of God could be seen in him. Let's jump to verses six and seven. It says, then he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. Everybody say nasty. And spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool. <laughs> I think if I'd have been there, I'd have been like, well, I wouldn't have had to wash myself if you wouldn't have spit in my eyes. <laughs> so the man, the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, would you agree with me that this man now has a story to tell? What is his story? His story is Jesus came up on me, and he spit, and he made some spud. That's mud made out of spit. And he took that spud, and he wiped it in my eyes, and I went and washed my eyes, and then I could see. That's the story. How many of you would say that's a pretty simple story? Like, it's not that complicated, amen? Okay, so let's look at how complicated this gets because it's funny. Okay, so John chapter nine, we're gonna read verses 18 through 21. It says, I'm sorry, eight through 21. His neighbors and others who knew him as the blind beggar asked each other, they didn't even ask him, they're like, hey bro, is that the blind man? Is that the beggar? And he's saying to them, yes, I'm that guy. Yeah, that's him. No, man, that ain't him, Mm mm-mm. He was blind yesterday. So they're having this argument, but the beggar keeps screaming in verse, verse nine. Yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and he spread it over. He's telling his story. The man they called Jesus, he made mud. He spread it over my eyes. He said, go to the pool of Shalom, Shalom and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man, who had been blind to the Pharisees. You know why they took him to the Pharisees? Because this broke religion. This broke the systematic set of beliefs. How could he heal on the Sabbath day? The next verse actually says, they took him because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he said to them, he put mud over my eyes. When he washed it away, then I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, but he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division among them. It's a simple story. He made mud. He slapped the mud on my eyes. He told me to go wash it off, and now I can see. What more do you need? (laughs) Now you got these groups of people that are breaking out. He did it. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I'm the guy. You knew I was blind. Okay, let's keep going. This did not fit into their systematic set of beliefs. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind, and demanded, what is your opinion about the man who healed you? They could not get him on his story, so now they want to get him on his opinion. Hey, y'all, this is what religious people do. The man replied, I think he's a prophet, maybe? The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man who had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. It you was know, it's a pretty easy story. Verse 19, they asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? And if so, how can he see now? His parents replied, we know that this is our son. We know that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. I believe that was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So for the second time, they called the man in who had been blind and told him, God should get glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. This is my favorite part. He says, I don't know if he's a sinner, but here's what I know. I was blind, and now I can see. (laughs) You take that and shove it. But what did he do? How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I done told you once. Did you not listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples? (laughs) 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 Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Here we go. Another one. Anointing of the Holy Spirit. He says, why, that's pretty strange. The man replied, he healed my eyes, and you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has ever been able to open the eyes of someone that was blind. If this man was not from God, he could not have done it. And you know what they did? They kicked that man smooth out of church. You know, why, you know why they kicked him out of church? Because what he was sharing broke their systemized set of beliefs. Yes. Golly. That's what people do when they don't know how to argue with truth. They couldn't argue with his story. This man was blind from birth, Jesus healed him. He wound up, getting, he wound up later on that day getting saved and his story continued to be told Because of his story, his testimony, his witness of events in his own life, people begin to believe and follow Jesus. Now listen to me. His story is what made the gospel real to those who were listening. This is why your story is so important. Every one of us in here have a story. I got a, I've got got tons of stories. Listen, it doesn't have to be your salvation experience. Some of you are like, well, I ain't got a story because I've been saved since I was three years old. Yeah, you got a story. Has God ever healed you? Has God ever spoke to you? Has God ever provided at a time where you were not going to make it unless he provided for you? Has God ever done anything miraculous in your life? If God has done something in your life, you got a story. And that story is worth being told. Amen? Amen. God gave you that story for your family. He gave you that story for your friends. He gave you that story for your coworkers. He gave you that story so that others that come in contact with you can know that God is real. He didn't just do it for you. He allowed you to experience and witness something in your life so that you could become a witness for how good God is. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask our worship team to step out and come, get ready to lead us in worship this morning. <clears throat> and as they're coming, Altar team, would you guys come and get ready to pray for people? An evangelist is a person that not only carries the gospel but announces the good news of the gospel when they can. The gospel is that Jesus died, he was a gift from the Father, so that we could be restored back to God. And he was resurrected to show that he conquered death to give you life. That is his story. And this morning he wants you to become a part of that story. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just believing God's wanting to do some incredible things in the house this morning. In just a second, the worship team's gonna begin to play, and we're gonna enter into a time of worship, and as they do, if the Holy Spirit of God's been speaking to you, listen, maybe, maybe you've been sitting in here thinking this morning, I don't have a story because I haven't been following him. I haven't had that experience like he was talking about with the dude at the stairs. I've been doubting God. Listen, friend, I have been there. And sometimes you just have to take a step of faith. Sometimes you just, you just got to keep praying, God, if you are real, I need you to reveal yourself to me and I'm going to step and I'm going to go. But I need you to show me and I need you to lead me. I need to have that story. I promise you this morning, if... You don't have a story. He wants to start it. And in just a minute, when we begin to sing this song, if you're here and you want God to start to write your story with him, I want to invite you to come with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle, you need prayer, you need healing, Maybe right now you're at one of those times where you need the supernatural power of God to provide or to heal or to do miraculous signs. You need a miracle with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here and you know that you need prayer, you know that you need to step into what God has for your life, or if you're here and you, you, you just wanna spend some time alone worshiping Jesus, right now, as they begin to sing this song, do not allow Satan to talk you out of getting What God wants to give you today, right now, as we begin to sing, would you step out and come? Come love on the Lord or come get the prayer that you need right now. Come on.